This is the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast, here to help you navigate and thrive with ADHD in adulthood. I'm your host, Zena, and I was diagnosed at age 36. As with many ADHDers, I have a rebellious and non-conformist style. And that means that there will likely be swearing in the coming episode. Please be mindful of any little people. Hello, ADHD family. Welcome back, my friends, to Navigating Adult ADHD. Now, the funny thing, before I hit record, I had to pop downstairs and let my partner know, hey, I'm going to record a podcast because right now we are in the middle of the summer school holidays here in New Zealand and having three boys in the house shit can get pretty noisy. (laughs) So he has wrangled them all into the car and they're going to go drive for 30 minutes. So going to have a time frame today. I got to try and keep it to 30 minutes. That is my challenge. (laughs) Now, before we dive in, I did also want to say a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have left a podcast review and sent episodes to your friends or your family to listen to. I love that together we are helping other ADHDers to change their life despite their ADHD and that we are helping to change the narrative around what it means to live with ADHD. Now if you have a question and you would like it answered on the podcast please reach out to me. There are two ways you can do that. So number one is come hang out with me on social media. I am making more of an effort now to share content, you know, ADHD specific content on my Instagram, which is navigating.adult.adhd. Also, you'll find me on Facebook by searching ADHD with Xena. The other way, oh, sorry, and I was going to say send me a DM, right? Send me a direct message. The other way is that you can email me, which is Xena, which is X-E-N-A, at xenajones.com. Now I respond to every single email I get from you guys, every single message that you send me, I respond personally. So if you've got a question you want answered on this podcast, and it may even inform an entire episode, reach out, let me know. I would love to hear from you. Okay. So today we are talking about dopamine seeking behaviors and we are going to go through a list of 10 of those. Now a key trademark of having ADHD is low levels of the neurotransmitter dopamine. Now I think one of the best ways that I have discovered to think of dopamine is like a conductor for an orchestra. So dopamine is responsible for overseeing many things, just like the conductor is with all of the various musical instruments in an orchestra. So dopamine is responsible for motivation, drive to take action, pleasure, desire. It also plays a role in regulating mood and our emotional responses and cognitive function. Okay. Now cognitive function includes things like attention, learning, memory, problem solving, also helping with information processing, decision making. And if that's sounding familiar, it's because all of those things are part of our executive functions. 
Okay, so it's fair to say that dopamine is important and it plays a big role in a variety of different things in our brain and ultimately in our lives. Now, people with ADHD, we tend to be more restless as our brains are constantly seeking ways to increase our dopamine levels. So if you have or often feel restless, this is why. Now, back in episodes number 12 and 13, we did a deep dive on understanding dopamine in the brain as it relates to us ADHDs. So if you haven't listened to those, or even if you want to go back and listen, it's like a masterclass on dopamine, episodes 12 and 13. Now, as I said in those episodes, when you understand dopamine, you can better manage it and then use various dopamine increasing activities to your advantage whilst also understanding and monitoring the consequences of certain dopamine related experiences. Now part of better understanding dopamine and how that impacts us in our lives as ADHD is is seeing and being aware of some of the dopamine seeking behaviors that we tend to engage in. So let's dive into the 10 ADHD dopamine seeking behaviors. Number one is impulsive spending. Now we know that we can tend to be pretty impulsive and often we can use that to buy shit. <laughs> Whether that be that you are in a store and you see like this amazing Christmas gnome that you just know you have to have and it's going to look amazing in your house and you just grab it. <laughs> I mean, I might or might not be speaking from experience here. Or, you know, you you might maybe shop online. I went through this phase where I would scroll the internet and I would add things to my cart. I was looking at clothes and shoes and homeware and what have you. And I was always adding stuff to my cart. And every now and again, I would buy something. And the ones that I often regretted were the ones where I didn't put a lot of thought into it. And I just, you know, bought it on the spot. I have got a number of those things that have ended up being donated to charity. But of course, we get the dopamine, right? We get the dopamine when we buy the thing. We get the dopamine thinking about it coming when it arrives and we unpack it. And then sometimes we're met with, damn it, why did I buy that? Or that's not as great as I thought or what have you. But spending, I think it speaks for itself. Impulsive spending is definitely on the list. Number two is substance abuse. So whether that be drugs or alcohol, it may even be something like gambling or being addicted to porn, we ADHDers tend to have a very all or nothing uh, mindset. And we can often, because of that, be very all as it relates to substances that provide us with dopamine. And we know that as ADHDers, we can you know, I, I always thought I had an addictive personality, but now I know it is common for people with ADHD to easily become addicted to things because of that dopamine uh, release that we get. Okay, so substance abuse is common for us. We could even add perhaps cigarettes to that list. One of my closest friends and fellow ADHDers has struggled to give up smoking cigarettes for a large number of years, and it is the 
the thing that she just goes to time and time again and it, it provides her with that source of dopamine. Now, if we were to go back and listen to episodes 12 and 13, I, exp- I explained there how you never get the same high or the same amount of dopamine as that initial high when, you know, perhaps it's from drugs or alcohol or, or you have a big win at gambling or what have you, you never get that same high. So you're always trying to seek that and, and therefore it becomes something that you do more and more and abuse to try and ultimately get that dopamine back. Number three is scrolling your phone. is it fair to say we all do it or is it just me I have been I don't want to say guilty of this because I don't want to put any shame on anyone who does any of these but in my life this is something that is a very um, habitual source of dopamine for me like I, I sometimes like I'm scrolling my phone and I'll be like what the fuck when did I pick this up and start looking at it what am I meant to be doing But, you know, scrolling our phone, there are so many different apps that we can go through, whether it's social media or we might be on YouTube looking at a video or I often use Pinterest to look up recipes and end up down a rabbit hole. Scrolling our phone is such an easy source of dopamine. It is practically attached to us all the time. Our phones go with us everywhere. So scrolling our phone is definitely a very easy source of dopamine. Number four, hyperfixating on new things. Whether it be people, we often hyperfixate on new people that we have just met, but we often sometimes hyperfixate on songs as well. Now, I have had the experience many a time where I have met a new person and thought, oh my God, this is like the best person ever. I'm going to become friends with them and we're going to be best friends and I love them and they're incredible. I need to know everything about them. <laughs> we can also do this when we're dating, right? Hyper fixating on new things. And with songs as well, we often listen to the same song on repeat over and over until we get sick of it and we're getting that dopamine from it. Number five is extreme sports. All right. So whether that be, you know, dirt bike riding or jumping out of a plane and skydiving, bungee jumping, right? There are so many different extreme sports. It might be water skiing, whatever. Extreme sports is often a source of dopamine for us ADHDers. I will never forget my 16th birthday. My parents said to me, what do you want? Let's make it something memorable. And I said, I want to go skydiving. And I did. And I'll tell you what, I was shit scared from the minute I got in that plane. It was like the longest plane ride of my life to get up to 12,000 feet in the air. And it's tandem and you're strapped to someone and they're expecting this ride. And I was like, I'm not going to jump out of this plane. I've changed my mind. I want to go back down. And they're like, okay, let's just open the door and let's just have a look. And then they start counting down and they've, you know, you've been walked through it and you know exactly what you're going to do and how, you know, you've got to kick your legs out and put your arms out and all of this. And they start counting down and they say, you know, if you don't want to do it when we get to one, that's okay. You know, we've talked about this and they start counting down three, two, and then they jump. Like they don't get to one because everybody grabs the sides of the, of the plane on one and is like, fuck this, I'm not getting out. But the point of the story is that jumping out of that airplane was at that point in my life the most incredible experience I had ever had. 
instantly, as soon as the initial fear was over and you were free falling, holy shit, it was incredible. I just didn't want it to end. And I had probably the biggest rush of dopamine that I've ever had in my life from that experience. And I was adamant that I was going to become a skydiver and do it regularly. And unfortunately at that time, the nearest, you know, skydiving school was quite a while away and I wasn't able to do it. And it was also incredibly expensive as a sport to take up. (laughs) So I didn't, but I will never forget just how much dopamine that produced at the time. I didn't know that's what it was, but I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I feel amazing. And I've heard uh, many stories inside of the ADHD books that I read from people who take up skydiving as a sport or something that they do regularly because of the amount of dopamine that it produces. And now that I know that, if I was to do a skydive, and generally they happen in the morning for, you know, calmer weather and less wind, etc. But if I was to do that in the morning, I think I could come home and be incredibly focused and productive because the level of dopamine that that must produce in your system is like off the charts. It was wild. Okay. (laughs) All right. So that was number five, extreme sports. So number six, frequent travel. When I saw this, I was doing some research and frequent travel actually wasn't one that I had on my list. I had a huge list here of about 12 or 13 and I narrowed it down. And frequent travel made so much sense to me when I saw that because many of my friends, of my colleagues, I worked in the travel industry, right, for I think maybe six, seven years. But so many of the people I know are frequent travelers and I love to travel. And so many of those people have also been diagnosed with ADHD later in life. I was like, huh, that makes sense to me. So frequent travel, we get so much dopamine from new experiences and seeing new places and you know, experiencing new cultures and trying new things. That to us is like candy to a toddler. (laughs) It produces so much dopamine. And for those of you who don't know, a little bit of my backstory, I worked obviously in the travel industry, as I said, for about seven, six, seven years. I started my own solo travel business for women. I hosted trips and retreats around the world. I spent six months traveling solo in South and Central America. I've been to almost 50 countries, I think. Travel is a big part of my life and it speaks to the value of freedom that I have. That's one of my values. But I now get why I love travel so much. Not only does it align with my values, but it also produces a beautiful source of dopamine. All right, number seven, driving fast. So whether that be speeding Driving cars or motorcycles fast, driving fast produces dopamine. It gives us that rush. I have to be honest with you, I'm blown away that I haven't received more speeding tickets in my life than I have because I do like to drive fast. I also like to be very mindful of, you know, driving safe and you know, sticking it to the road rules and all of that. Like uh, I got a big value on integrity, so like I get that, but generally I can also speed. (laughs) So it's like this tug of war in me. But many ADHDs that I know like to drive fast, having been in the car with my best friend. Yeah, (laughs) it makes so much sense now. 
All right, number eight is eating when you are not hungry. So this might look like snacking all the time. It can also be binge eating and often choosing sugar, like having a fixation for sugary foods or carbs. So unfortunately, many of us have, you know, especially as we've been undiagnosed ADHD, we have perhaps had a a challenging relationship with food because we either have been binge eaters. I've talked about that before on the podcast, or we can sometimes snack obsessively. Often we can become addicted to sugar or, you know, carb related foods. And that is because it does give us that source of dopamine. Now, I can tell you from experience with sugar, having been a sugar addict and also, you know, a binge eater who was snacking all the time, I had a addiction to sugar where I just couldn't get enough. Like I could eat a whole packet of lollies and then I would just want more. And the more you have it, the more you want it and the more of it you need to try and get that same dopamine release. So this whole eating when you're not hungry is definitely a source of dopamine or it's it's kind of a dopamine seeking behavior. I think that's a better way to put it that we can engage in. Okay. And I notice personally when I'm tired, that is one that I will kind of lean towards. It's like a really easy one to be able to kind of move towards. And I don't often consciously know, hey, it's because I want some dopamine. Number nine is video games or playing games on your phone. So we have, as I've said, three boys in this house and they've got an Xbox downstairs and we limit the amount of use that they want that they get on there. But boy, is that thing addictive. They're always asking to go on it. They're like wanting to be on it all the time. I think they would play on that thing night and day without sleeping if we let them. I really do. (laughs) But that's because, you know, there are so many different varying things happening. It speaks to the novelty, the excitement, the new, the challenge and all of the things that our ADHD brains love, as do playing games on your phone. Number 10 is engaging in risky behaviors. So whether that be uh, in relation to sex or illegal activities that can or often do land ADHDs in jail, there is a huge percentage of people in our prison systems who are either undiagnosed or un. Uh, un, I don't want to say medicated, untreated, sorry, that's the word I want, either undiagnosed or untreated ADHD. And that is because, you know, you know, I'm trying to think of something like, you know, running from the police or doing something that you shouldn't do that's like kind of thrilling, that does provide a source of dopamine, okay? So that makes a lot of sense when we break it down like that. Now, I know that we've hit 10, but I've also got two bonus ones that I want to add in here. And I've chosen to share these because I think that hearing them helps us to better understand ourselves. And when I learned that these two things were really common for ADHDers and that it was related to dopamine seeking, I was like, oh, okay, makes sense. And I'm going to be a little bit kinder to myself and mindful of doing these things. So the two bonus ones I'm going to give you is picking a fight. So... What this looks like is sometimes we might pick a fight with our partner or kind of create an argument where there doesn't need to be one. And although we don't want to do that consciously at the same time, that 
does produce some dopamine in our brain. Okay. I have seen this myself when I've been lying in bed late at night and, you know, perhaps my meds have worn off and whatever else I have used throughout the day to kind of manage my ADHD is worn off and I'm resisting going to bed. So, you know, revenge, bedtime procrastination, that's a whole nother thing to talk about and a very real experience for ADHDs. So I'd be lying in bed at night and this happened on a couple of occasions and my partner and I will be chatting about the day or something and I'll just kind of push something or, you know, kind of make an issue where there isn't one to kind of get a bit of a reaction and then he'll get annoyed at me for taking it so far and not letting it go and push the boundaries. But that picking a fight is giving me a little bit of dopamine, even though I always regret doing it, it still gives me that in the moment. And the other bonus one here is skin picking or squeezing. So if we, you know, pick at our skin, whether that's around the skin on our nails or, you know, it might be like a scab or, you know, skin picking in general and squeezing. And by squeezing, I mean generally squeezing pimples or blackheads, what have you. That is also another common dopamine seeking behavior for ADHDs. Okay. So I'm curious, out of these 10, or let's say 12, how many of these have you engaged in? And how many of these are like regular go-to sources of dopamine from you? Now, there are some on this list which perhaps have some more negative consequences. So I just want to say, judgment-free zone, my friend. But I'm curious, how many? I also want to mention that in episode 20 of Navigating Adult ADHD podcast here, I shared with you 13 other tools that don't include meds, right? But 13 other tools that you can use to manage and ultimately thrive with ADHD. And many of those are geared towards increasing dopamine levels in, and I'm using air quotes, healthy ways, okay? And of course, one of those is exercise, which... According to the research, and I have to say from my own personal experience and and the experience of the clients that I work with, exercise is one of the best ways that we can increase both dopamine and norepinephrine, which is another neurotransmitter that we, in the brain that we um, have less of. But it's one of the best ways that we can, you know, naturally increase our dopamine. It's basically free. There are so many forms of exercise we can do for free. It's natural It's a natural source of medication for our ADHD brains. So I'm a huge fan of that. And I'm not saying like, you know, you got to go start running 10 mile races unless you're a runner and you love doing that shit. Great. I walk. I walk in nature. I walk every day. But it can be whatever exercise you enjoy doing, whatever that looks like. With regular physical activity, ADHD adults can raise their baseline levels of dopamine. Now, this is a game changer, okay? When we raise our baseline levels of dopamine, what that means is we are increasing the overall amount of dopamine that we have available to us each day. I have used the gas 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 tank example with you guys before. So when we think about dopamine, let's say neurotypical people start the day with a gas tank that's half full, okay? As ADHD is, we start the day with a gas tank that is on a quarter full, okay? We have less dopamine. Now, 
that is what's called our baseline level of dopamine. And throughout the day, that'll kind of go up, it'll drop down, go up, drop down, all of that, it'll move around. And I go into a lot of detail about how that works in those episodes 12 and 13, okay? But by increasing our baseline level, what I'm saying is you go from a quarter tank and you move that needle up towards that half a tank line. Okay, you increase the amount of dopamine in your system. That way you've got more in your system at all times, right? Your baseline level is increased. Through regular physical activity, we can do that, right? So there's a very powerful thing. So my friend, pay attention to how you feel after you engage in dopamine-seeking behaviors, especially those that can lead to negative consequences. So for example, when you eat a whole packet of Oreos, do you feel sluggish and crap afterwards? Do you beat yourself up and feel bad? Or when you scroll on your phone, do you hop off and feel bad about yourself yourself because you've just seen all of these amazing things that other people are doing and now you think you should be further along and you kind of suck? And also make a list of healthy sources of dopamine that you would like to have more of or use more in your life. For example, we have got a new family game called Skip Bow. I'm sure it's been around for years, but anyway, I was only introduced to it at Christmas time by my family. And we have taken up playing that. And this provides a great source of dopamine for me whilst also connecting with family, connecting perhaps with my partner, with the kids, with it also, you know, we're making memories, we're laughing, we're having fun together. Like that right now is such a great way for me to increase my dopamine. I'm loving it. Another one that I use throughout the day, especially when I'm here in my office and I spend, you know, most of my day in here, I will hop up at random times throughout the day and I will do a few squats I'll do some stretches I might do some jumps I'll mix it up I'll do just a various things to move my body around basically and I'll do that for a few minutes now in turn I get dopamine which then leads me to totally forget that I was probably you know, about to go downstairs to the kitchen to get a snack or make another coffee or see what my partner's doing and maybe annoy him. Okay, which is also dopamine seeking behaviors. Okay, so that is one that I use and it only takes a couple of minutes, but I use that, you know, sprinkled throughout a lot of my work days. So my friends, have fun this week as you pay attention to your regular sources of dopamine and some of the dopamine-seeking behaviors that you have. And play with the new ways that you can get some much-needed dopamine for your brain. And look at that. We're coming in under the 30-minute mark. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> All right, huge love, everybody. I'll speak to you soon. Hey, friend. I know exactly what it's like to feel frustrated and confused with your ADHD and to wish that you could better understand what the hell is going on in your brain. And that's exactly why I created my coaching program, Thriving with ADHD. Inside Thriving with ADHD, you learn a step-by-step -step process to set and finally achieve your goals. 
to understand yourself and your ADHD. It's where you learn to feel better and manage your emotions and create systems and processes that work for you with your ADHD brain. This is designed for you to learn how to thrive with ADHD so you can create the life that you were meant to live. Visit xenajones.com ADHD to learn more and book a consultation.